Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome to the TT Podcast. Now, after all we said about Tadi Pogacar, it was Matteo van der Poel who went and won Milan San Remo. Joining me to relive the drama of the first monument of the year is my co-host Tom. Tom, how are you? Hello, everyone. Yeah, I'm good, thanks. Uh, I am quite glad that I did remember at the end of the last episode, the preview episode we did, I did say, we'd better say a quick word about Matthew van der Poel and Wout van Aert, just in case, because you never know. And look what happened. I mean, look, our our prediction wasn't even on the podium, which is, I'm surprised about no, that. A disgraceful fourth place. I, I, look, I stand by, even though van der Poel won the race, I stand by that I think we were right not to predict him. I mean, he, for, for all intents and purposes, he was washed. <laughs> uh, that's one way of putting it. Yeah, look, you can never write him off, can you, clearly? But uh, if I had to go back and make the prediction again, I wouldn't change my decision. Obviously, hindsight's twenty twenty, but I felt very confident at the time. And <clears throat> if the stars align similarly in future, I'd do the same thing again. Yeah, I agree. Look, it's, you know what? It's one thing to come out and face the predictions that you made but you know what it's another thing to come back and just double down on them even yeah. though you were wrong <laughs> um he was nowhere right let's stay on this for a second van der Poel was nowhere near at strada bianchi at Torreno adriatico he didn't finish in the top 10 on a single stage we would have been foolish to wager on him the listeners would have laughed at us saving the legs clearly wasn't he <laughs> all signs pointed to that he needed a slightly longer recovery from the uh, cyclocross worlds and that seemed to chime almost perfectly with uh, his Poggio attack. You must have seen that picture of the four of them as well though where he's at the back of the group and the three of them in front uh, Tadej Pogacar, Filippo Ganna and Wout van Aert are just grimacing and look like they're in a world of pain and he's just got a smile on his face and there's um, it's been doing the rounds and everyone going look you look at this and you know who's winning that don't you? I think you do and, and you were just saying to me off air Tom that that finale and how that race played out was almost kind of script perfect. It was textbook. Look, obviously we didn't predict the winner, but it's very easy these days to predict the way the race will be won at Milan San Remo. And that look, there's always going to be a break. The break gets reeled in. A couple of people might try over the Chipressa. There's a winning move goes on the Poggio. Very aggressive on the descent as usual, and then just holds it to the line. There you go. Look, any any yeah. DSs who need any tips on how to win San Remo, there it is there in a look, nutshell. Look, it's tried and tested. When was the last time that didn't happen? We didn't have yeah. any attacks on the Chipressa this year, but it was. Mm. It almost seems to be an unwritten rule that it's like, right, well, we just wait till the Poggio now. Yeah, 294k of... Uh, it's just a game of chicken, really, isn't it? To see who goes first. Exactly. And and yeah. Pogaccia, yeah. true to his word, well, I say true to his word, but true to um, true to form was the one who went first, didn't work. What I was surprised to see was the person who latched straight onto his wheel was Filippo Ganna. Irishman think... Filippo Ganna. <laughs> I think everyone was quite surprised at the way he managed to hold on. Like We know he's just got this raw power, but to be able to keep up with those three... Look, we did this in the preview, didn't we? The Poggio's not a massive hill, is it? It's just it's, it's when a it piece comes... of piss, Tom. Yeah. <laughs> to use the technical term. But when it comes... Uh... Uh, 295k in or wherever the, I, I, how fast the summit from the finish I can't actually remember this, I say the summit it's like a tiny it's about crest yeah. just over 5k it's obviously a bit different and for someone like the one thing that does get forgotten as well Ganna 
he he is heavy. He to to get compared to the rest of the peloton, he's a big guy, and that's where all that power comes from. So to get that across three hundred k and still be competitive is the most impressive part for me. The, the most impressive part for me was that he rolled Wout van Aert on the line for second. Yeah, <laughs> he had absolutely no right to do that. This is we should say Wout van Aert's first race of the season. Was it? I think so. Since the cross, he he skipped because he he changed his schedule last minute, didn't he? I don't know if he's. I may be wrong. There. This is definitely his first major race because everyone was expecting him to come in for Strade and things, and then he didn't. No, he did uh, the entirety of Torino Adriatico. Maybe it was his first. He skipped the early classics then. So I did. He skipped opening weekend, which was a big deal for the Belgians, and uh, he didn't ride Strade. And this was maybe his. We'll call it his first one day race of the year then. Uh, okay, yeah, fine. He's, mm. he's done one fewer race day than Van der Poel, so I'm not sure we can make any might, concessions for that here. Might cut that out then. <laughs> um, <laughs> shall we take a moment to appreciate and be in awe at the caliber of that final quartet? Yeah, well, I saw even um, the the top ten in general. I thought um, I, I don't mean any disrespect to Anthony Turgis, but he was the one. <laughs> <laughs> he, he didn't he, come he, second last year i done he's, he's got some good form yeah but um i was looking at him going like you know you, you don't quite belong here with the other nine uh which is probably a bit harsh but um when you when you look at the rest of them as you say that opening quartet um opening quartet that finishing quartet of van der poel ganner van art pogaccia is just yeah i mean they're probably the foremost in form guys in world cycling and have been for about the last three years. Um just want to jump in here in, in defense of Anthony Turgis. Yeah. <laughs> he actually came second last year at Milan San Remo. So if anything, he had more right than anyone else to be in that that final top. Maybe. 10. But I'll I, just I reel look, off the I rest of them. I'm being facetious. I obviously yeah. see the point that you're trying to make that he doesn't yet have the Palmares off his top ten companions. Maybe not. Well, that's what I was going to say. I mean, you look at from 5th to 10th, you've got Sir and Crow Anderson, Mads Pedersen, Nielsen Paulus. Nielsen Paulus was one you picked as a dark horse in our preview, actually, as well, wasn't he? Thank you for rem- remembering. <laughs> so uh, maybe you do know what you're talking about. Matej Mohoric, Anthony Turgis, and Jasper Stoyven. So there, there's a lot of pedigree there. Yeah. Um, but obviously all the pedigree had broken away up the road. We mm. had Filippo Gannett, however many times world champion, however many times like the best time trialist of his generation without doubt mm-hmm. um Tali Pogaccia two-time Tour de France champion and then the other two who get up to all their antics in the one days the other two just just do what they do don't they it's <laughs> there was I think we kind of take for granted the the caliber of that group and there was a moment where they were riding in a line of four in a kind of team pursuit line yeah and I thought do you guys really want to do this with with Ganner in there? I mean, <laughs> it's it's like fighting a shark underwater. He's on home turf here, Ganner, isn't he? The, actually, where was it? Was it the um, was it the Olympics where he pulled the Italian team rounds in that unbelievable team pursuit? He he has a real habit of doing that. Yeah, um, yeah, he does do that, and which I guess is kind of what he did at the end in that final yeah. three. Where he just went straight off Wout van Aert and Wout van Aert couldn't follow him because he was just ripping his legs off. As I say, it's a different prospect, 300k in, but evidently he's still just <laughs> just powered on. So Vanderpol goes with five and a half k to go. Mm-hmm. That explosive trademark kick that we 
have come to expect of him, but I genuinely think is probably unrivaled in the men's peloton. I agree. You do have to make it stick on the descent. That was the thing, because he went very close to the crest of the Poggio. It really wasn't far off the top. And you're right, just he gets a gap so quickly. But I think he eked out more distance on the descent as well, because he was very aggressive. Yeah, I think it was coming into the end, he got a bit more distance. But interestingly, and I, I've seen a few people commenting about kind of group two syndrome. From what I saw, there was no real group two syndrome. I mean, those three, Pogaccia, Ganna, Van Aert, were going hell for leather on the descent. Like Van Aert was going so quick that he was almost dropping the other two, which I guess you could say wasn't beneficial for, for the three of them. But if you're Van Aert, you know that these two aren't going to take me to the line because I should, on paper, beat them in a sprint. And then when they got onto the flat, they were quite seamlessly switching through like three, four second turns. So yeah. they were going, they were going flat out, full gas, but they just couldn't keep up with Van der Poel. I, he, <clears> he was simply, I mean, this is the extent of the, the the race analysis here. He was simply better and stronger than everyone else. Well, that's what I was about to say. Look, unfortunately, you can do whatever you want, but if you've got Matthew Van der Poel on a day and he's got the legs, you're not catching him. <laughs> Yeah, and, and the other riders can't even blame it on the cameras. I mean, I, yeah. I watched back the footage and probably rather annoyingly to Matthew van der Poel, the motorbike cameras were nowhere to be seen on the Poggio descent. They, they... Because that obviously has been controversial. Well, not controversial, but it was mentioned in the lead-up because some people have been given a bit of help in previous years. Yeah, yeah. We, what we got instead was this kind of beautiful single tracking shot off the whole descent. Um, but it, I mean, it worked well. But it meant that we didn't get those close-up shots of Vanderpaal, which he didn't get an advantage, I guess. But he didn't need it. No, but he gets that little close-up shot once he um, crosses the finish line, doesn't he? So uh, I, I don't think Matthew Vanderpaal's leaving that race too perturbed by the fact that he uh, he didn't get enough camera time. But one of my another one of my favourite things about the cinematography of that race was the if you go back and watch it, the mm -hmm. time gap to the chasing group is absolutely perfect because as he crosses the line literally the moment his wheel crosses the line the others come into view in the background yeah i mean you you always get that thing don't you with the um with that view the camera what's the word like foreshortens or something like i get this watching finishes all the time where you're terrified that the group behind is coming and you see it from that shot from ahead and they look so close and then you get the overhead and you're like, oh they're miles behind yeah um Whereas, as you say, this time, thankfully, they were out of shot until the perfect moment where you're like, he's crossed the line. Oh, there they are. So, I mean, this this is what we, we know now is that the benchmark for if you want to win San Remo and have nobody else in your winning shot, you need to win it by 15 seconds. <clears throat> there we go. Uh, I mean, that's really if you I'd, I'd take it by I'd take it by like the width of a wheel length, you know, a win's a win. But oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I know how it works, Tom. It's the same in football. Every goal counts for yeah. one. Exactly. There's only one stat. That no one no one remembers the winning margin 10 years later, do they? That's very true. Very, very true. Um, should we breach the fact, Tom, that we mentioned on the last episode that you were going to go to the start in Abieta Grasso and, and that hasn't been mentioned yet? Yeah, I lied. Yeah, Basically, Tom... that's what it's come down to. We got to Saturday morning. Turns out the trains were not as convenient as <clears throat> I initially thought they'd be. Um, obviously I'm with my other half who just could not care less, uh, was quite ill <laughs> on the morning and did not want to be dragged to, uh, a random, I guess, town, uh, 24k outside of Milan. 
at it, eight it, o'clock in the morning. Yeah, look, I completely do not begrudge you for for not making that journey. Um, I just feel sorry for you, Tom, that that was the year that they chose to put the start in Abiata Grasso rather than in Milan itself. Yeah, I don't know what's going on. Guy seemed to think that there was, there was a marathon in Milan the next day, but I feel like if that's an annual event as well, then they must cross over this weekend most years. So I don't really know what was going on. Well, and, I, and I'll be honest, Tom, I don't care enough to find out. No, no, I've done no research in the week since. <laughs> um, Tom, there is one person I would like to hone in on here. Okay. And it is somebody who I've already honed in on, but we're going to hone in on him further. Mm-hmm. Filippo Ganna. Filippo Ganna. Okay, I was going to say, you'd like to hone in on a few members of the peloton, so I was wondering where this was going. This time it's Filippo Ganna. Okay. Um, and I'll tell you what, I am fanboying this boy a lot. I'd like to hear what, I mean, I I can I can make my guesses why. He's an extremely talented man, but you must have some specific reasons. No, no, I just think he's a, a, just an incredible bike rider. Like, nothing that I've seen before in terms of his stature, the way he is on a bike, his power... And then just off the bike, he's just a friendly, smiley guy. Anyway, Tom, his first ever monument podium. Yep. I want to know how much you know about Filippo Ganna, and I have prepared a quiz. Okay. Uh, you did warn me there'd be a quiz, but you specifically told you said you wouldn't tell me what it was on, so I couldn't research. And Filippo Ganna is not my area of expertise, I'll be honest. Okay, well, fortunately for you, all I'm looking for is a very, very specific strain of numbers to these answers. So I'm sure this is going to go very well. Okay, well, I, I thought you were about to go like, where was he born and stuff? And I, I no, it's somewhere in the north of Italy. Irrelevant. Look, I've okay. not bothering with the autobiographical stuff. We're getting into the nitty gritty. Okay. There are four questions. Question four one. Filippo Gana came second at Milan San Remo. Yeah. True. Yes. True. I um, forgot that. Was that the question? No, 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 it wasn't. No. <laughs> um, what was his previous best result in a monument? And I'm going to give you some ranges. Okay. So you're right. There are four ranges. Is it between fifth and fifteenth? Mm-hmm. Sixteenth and twenty-fifth. Yeah. Twenty-six, twenty-sixth and fortieth, or lower than fortieth. You know, I've got no. He's, he's that kind of rider. You'd think he could turn up at Roubaix or Flanders on a good day and make a good show of it. I don't see him doing well at Lombardia, even though he's Italian, because that's really hilly. But the Belgian ones, I think he's probably got like a 37th place finished in him at Flanders somewhere one year. I'll, I'll <laughs> you know go with what? that. <laughs> you know what? You're really not far off. His <laughs> best ever placing in a monument was 35th at Roubaix last year okay. <laughs> okay yeah I'll take that um, no you should so... absolutely take that that's correct yeah. you, you were in the right range between 26 and 40 I think was the range I would have gone for there is that yeah that's correct yes yeah. Um, one of my favourite things about that is that he was one of the favourites for that race last year right mm-hmm. previous to that he'd ridden Roubaix twice and never finished a race and like, he is just yeah. so strong and people back him so much that you can wager on a guy as being one of the favourites despite the fact he had never finished the race. Yeah, I mean, he's still... he He's two years younger than me. He's only 26. So, mm. like, he's, you know, he's got plenty of time left if he wants to have a crack at the monuments as well, or the monuments or the classics, whichever ones, you know. Well, I mean, that's what we're yeah. seeing now. He is... Yeah. He's taking a break. He's not doing Flanders, but I think he's going to go... Like, he's really 
going for Roubaix this year. Yeah. Um, question two. Filippo Ganna has taken 23 road victories in his career. How many of those 23 were not a time trial? I knew that would be the question. <laughs> it's a good question, isn't it? Um, Not a time trial. I mean, I'm almost tempted to say zero. Zero would be incorrect. Zero would be incorrect. So he has one. Uh, uh, 23. I, I just can't. One. One is incorrect. The answer is two. Okay. <laughs> he has had two victories on the road, not in a time trial. Um, they were 2020 Giro d'Italia stage five, which interestingly was a hilly stage. Like it, I remember him winning that and people being like, how the hell has he pulled that out? I don't remember this at all. Yeah, He was in some, that Giro, he was in unreal form. He had the pink jersey for most of the first week and he won four stages of that Giro d'Italia three of which were time trials was this a covid that would that would have was yeah it was that year where that was the teo one the one that teo won yeah okay yeah and the other one was stage four etoile de Bessege 2021 yeah i can't say i remember that yeah no that's i'm sure felipe doesn't remember <laughs> that one either <laughs> um question three how many world records does felipe gana currently hold track and road Yes, world records across all, you know, even away from cycling. <laughs> uh, right. These are all cycling related, if that helps. I mean, they, mu they must be on, they must all be on the track because you can't really set world records on the road, can you? Because everything's a different distance all the time. They are all on the track. So he's got the hour record. That's one. Um, for, the, for the listener who who is only enjoying this on an audio platform, um, I'm counting these on my fingers. Yeah, he is holding up one finger right now. So, second, he, he must, a couple of other, maybe an, three. He has three world records. The answer is three world records. Okay. I can't name the other two. I would, yeah, he, he can probably, yeah, like some sort of individual pursuit, I feel like he'd be very good at. Correct. The individual yeah. pursuit. He is the. Uh, one of only two people to go under four minutes in the individual pursuit. Interesting. Are you going to ask me to name the other? No, no. The other one's um, American track rider Ashton Lambie. Mm. Um, and they, do the Italians also... have the team pursuit? And they do have the team pursuit. Well yeah, done, Tom. Okay. They took that in Tokyo. Okay. <laughs> Happy with that. Yeah, well done. Um, and final one. Why is Filippo Ganna's nickname Top Ganna? Uh, because it sounds like Top Gun. That's correct as well. <laughs> we should be calling Filippo Ganna, shouldn't we? That's how the Italians would say it. Uh, Ganna. Yeah, yeah. I, I actually don't know how his name's written. Is there an accent on the any of the? I don't think no, so. No, no, no. But isn't it, yeah. Tom? You you speak some Italian. You should speak with authority here. It's isn't that if it's two consonants together, it's like Ganna. You kind of chew through them. Uh, yeah, and I'd, to be, I'd be honest, the stress, it should be, Fil it's Filippo rather than Filippo as well and things like that. I don't, yeah, you know, it's just call him Philip. Well, the good thing is he's Irish. <laughs> so, Irish, exactly. <laughs> so we don't have to worry about this. Um, I've gone into a rabbit hole on this. So I was, I was trying to figure out why his nickname's Top Ganna and mm -hmm. correctly, 
it is to do with the film Top Gun. Um, here you like go Tom for the Cruise trivia or something. Yeah. No, no, no. Here you go for the trivia. Um, one of the, so the, the main Filippo Ganna fan club is the Top Ganna fan club. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the people that runs that, I, I think, from my research, the person who kind of manages and runs the whole thing is his younger sister Carlotta. Yeah. And for anybody who likes romance news, <laughs> Carlotta's boyfriend is none other than Jacob Alula's Matteo Sobrero. So that is a lovely bit of trivia. There you go. Nothing to say on that. No, silence. That's the end of that. Yeah, I mean, I, I haven't I don't really know what conclusions we can draw from that, but I just thought that was interesting little web of interconnected um ideas there. Let's just move on from that anyway. Um yeah. well I done on the We're very happy jump. together. I think you got three out of four, which is good for the Filippo Gana quiz. I'll take three out of four. That's apt. I was expecting zero, so that's fine. Can Filippo Gana win Parry Roubaix? That I guess is question five. Uh yeah, is there a right answer? Or... Well, we'll find out if there's a right answer, but I can't yeah. tell you right now. <laughs> like, yeah, he certainly can. Um will he? I don't know. Like Rubé's one of them. We've said this before as well. Rubé throws up random winners all the time because it's just such a brutal race. Um he could have the legs of his life be on a great day and still get 17 punches. So we'll see. I want him to become one of those riders on the like a kind of Steve Cummings, a Mate Mohoric, one of those riders where every time he edges away from the pack, the commentator has to say, if you let him go, you won't see him again. <clears throat> well, I've just mentioned Fabian Cancellara winning Rubé three times. And if there was one rider profile who I would compare Filippo Ganna to, it is him. Because that that he was the original, for me, like when I first got into cycling, he was the man who won all the time trials. And if you gave him a gap, he he could hold a gap over 50 people quite comfortably. And I think Ghana can do the same. I think we're going to see Ghana in a lot more monuments now. And I'm excited for yeah. it. Um, one of the races I would always point to as <clears throat> one of my favourite moments in cycling is, 20, is Flanders in 2013. And watching Cancellara just ride the wheels off Sagan up the either the Oudacuamont or the Paterberg, the final climb. It's about 12k to the finish. And from there... Cancellara put a minute and a half into Peter Sagan in the form of his life. And that's the kind of riding I think Filippo Ganna can do if he can translate this time trialing ability to, you know, on the road proper, as it were. I hope you're right. Um, there's been a bit of talk now as, as well. I, I, one final thing I want you to say, Tom, is a, a final question I want you to answer. Mm-hmm. There has been talk about whether Matthew van der Poel can win all five monuments now only three riders have ever won all five monuments eddie merckx de vlamning and rick van loy all belgians all racing in a period where there was not a breadth of world cycling talent can matthew vanderbilt be the first rider in the 21st century to win all five (laughs) again lombardia is the difficult one end of the season very different um What's the word I'm looking for? Profile to to the rest of them. Um, yeah, of course he can. Matthew van der Poel's talented, but there's there's look there's three or four guys in the peloton now who can who definitely have the ability to win all five. But you just need everything to come together. You need everything to go perfectly five different times in five different races. 
I think it's important that we give Matthew Van der Poel the last last word there because mm-hmm. I'm conscious we've just dedicated the best part of half an hour to talking about Filippo Ganna, who came the second. Who came at second. <laughs> yeah. Um, but such was his ride that he deserved it, Tom. Yeah, no, absolutely. And you want to talk about this. Look, he's got two at the moment. So talk of five is maybe premature, but uh, yeah. certainly the way in which he won, I was very impressed when he won Flanders and beat Wout van Aert in a two-up sprint. And then to ride away from those other three who we've talked about today in the way that he did last weekend. Yeah. Unbelievable ride. And as you said, <laughs> this was the first monument of the season. So he could tick a few more off quite soon, to be honest. There we go. They they come, well, the next two come thick and fast now. We've got Flanders first weekend of April, Roubaix the weekend after that. Tom, if people want updates on that, they should go somewhere else. But if they want to hear what we have to say on that, where can they find it? Uh, they can go to at TTPDCST on Twitter and Insta. Perfect. Um, is there anything else you would like to add about Milan San Remo? No, that's all from me. Uh, Just looking forward to what's to come next. What a beautiful message. (laughs) Um, Tom, a pleasure speaking with you. Everyone else, thank you as always for tuning in and listening to us. And we'll be back soon. Thanks, everyone. Take care.